Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic or on-premise and sometimes on location or on-premises. Each time we meet, we pick a single topic and discuss it with a panel of folks from the Gestalt IT expert community. This week, we are actually here in beautiful California at Cloud Field Day when we were recording, and one of the topics that came up is multi-cloud. And I've got questions about multi-cloud. Is it inevitable? Is it a strategy? Or is it maybe not something that's really gonna happen? We'll see. So before we get into that, though, let's meet who's on the panel today. I'm Atar Baik. Um, I'm a blogger and podcaster as well. I work as an enterprise solutions architect at Rackspace Technology Limited. My uh, blog is atharbaik.com, and Twitter handle is atharbaik as well. Good morning, Chris Hayner, independent enterprise architect, uh, HMC Technology. Uh, my personal blog is hayner.net and co-host of the Chaos Lever podcast. And I'm Ned Bellavance. I'm a technical educator and founder of Ned in the Cloud, LLC. My Twitter handle is Ned1313, and you can find my blog at nedinthecloud.com. So all of us have been actively involved in enterprise cloud, and all of us are, of course, also part of the field day community and have seen quite a lot of cloud field day presentations and different angles. And it does seem that a lot of companies are early in their pitch talking about multi-cloud. They're talking about how they support multiple clouds, but also how they allow customers to use multiple clouds at the same time. And to me, that's one of those things where I look at it and I'm thinking, you know, is that a good strategy for a company? Is that even a strategy for a company? Or is multi-cloud just something companies are falling into because of where the applications run? So, uh, Ather, I'm going to start with you. Give us a background here. Um, Multi-cloud for companies? I, I'm personally a big advocate for it, uh, of it uh, because I think the workloads that uh, customers might have or whoever need to put their workloads into the cloud where it makes more sense. Now, sometimes it could be due to cost reasons. Sometimes it could be the service that you're using or simply your team has more experience in a, a certain public cloud, for example. Um, Although I do feel that um, if a company is new to the public cloud game or, or trying to move their workloads there as a strategy, while they might have um, as a strategy and eventually going to multiple clouds for resilience reasons or you know, just playing it safe, um, I think what tends to happen is they pick one cloud, they go there, um, they start developing and learning about that and getting through all the pitfalls but then eventually end up mostly deploying all their workloads there. And that multi-cloud dream that they should probably have um, gets lost somehow along the way. So they don't end up being a multi-cloud company. It just remains a hybrid cloud between their on-premises and one particular cloud. Um, and that's the trend I'm seeing more often, even though analysts, it seems, seem to believe that if it's a strategy to eventually become multi-cloud, that means that they are multi-cloud and 70, 80% of the organizations are already doing it, which I kind of disagree with for that reason. Well, I think you, you're onto something there in the sense that a lot of times companies get into a technology not because it was organized and planned and strategized, but it was because either the new hot thing only is available on AWS or a new employee comes into an organization with a unique set of skills. and 
companies are loath to get rid of what they had before. So you end up with a hybrid environment of the old stuff and the new stuff, which I think incidentally is why so many companies have a presence on premise as it stands now. You've got a server that's running, you're gonna run that server until the server falls down. It's not as organized as we're gonna move everything into AWS within the next 18 months. Even companies that say that they're gonna do that underestimate the difficulty of it because there's a lot of moving parts to keep a business functional. Hybrid cloud happens because you wanna keep the business flowing and functional while simultaneously adding things on top of it to make things better. The premise here was multi-cloud. And I think we're putting the cart before the horse if we're not gonna at least define what we mean when we're saying multi-cloud. Because what's interesting about those surveys that you mentioned, Nather, is when you see the results, they say 76% of enterprises are already multi-cloud. They usually fail to actually tell you what they consider multi-cloud and how the question was worded for the people taking the survey. So I, it reminds me of when they would ask, are you in the cloud, private or public? Well, what is a private cloud and how do you define it? That's a very difficult and, and hard, hard thing to grab onto. Multi-cloud's kind of the same way. So if I can just posit a definition and Y'all can agree with it or you can be wrong. Multi-cloud to me means that I'm running multiple in-house applications in different public and private clouds. So it's not that I'm consuming SaaS because I wanna put that to the side. It's not that I'm in Office 365 and I'm also running an app in AWS. This is specifically an instance where I have some in-house applications, one of which is running in AWS, one of which is running in Azure, and one of which is running on-prem in what's close to a private cloud. How's that sound? To me, I think that's, that's the right definition because um, to me, we have this classic model of having an on-premises environment, which typically all the organizations have. And then if you have permanent connectivity not temporary, of course, not bursting or anything like that, basically have their service infrastructure deployed on the different public clouds. So you're seriously using that platform, and it's more than one, at least the big three, if we consider AWS, Google, and Azure, to say that if you have those environments set up in at least more than one of those, then I would consider that to be multi-cloud. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why I was wondering that how many of that 75% actually have meaningful workloads running on both those public cloud environments in addition to their on-premises environment. So I'm a bit skeptical of that 75% or 78% being already multi-cloud, that statement. So I just took a minute to look it up. And um, in a quick Google search, yeah, I found a survey that says almost exactly what Ned said. 73% of organizations surveyed by VM, in a VMware report said that they were already using two public clouds and 23%, no, 26% that they were using three or more. But I, I wonder um, really how, whether that was a strategic decision or a tactical decision. And, and as you're saying, how are they defining this? Because, um, I mean, I'm using more than one public cloud and so are you, but was that a strategy? Or was that just, I'm using this for this and that for that, and that's not really something that's important to me? I mean, I guess that's the real question is, um, it's kind of like in the old days when companies were you know, looking at you know, which server vendor do I go with, or which switch vendor, or which storage vendor. 
Um, just because there's a, you know, one, you know, HP server in the corner doesn't mean that your all Dell shop is multi-vendor, right? And I think that it may be the same with cloud, right? Yeah, and I think it's foolish to not seriously consider O365 as a cloud in and of itself. When you think about enterprise work, what is the thing that everybody says is important? It's the business's data. A vast majority of companies have data in the Azure cloud, even if they've never spun up an Azure instance. You know, and that's one of the ways that people end up splitting the difference. And that was what I was trying to get at before about how people get into multi-cloud by accident. Because if you have an O365 or M365 environment, super easy, and Microsoft definitely encourages you to say, well, you've already gone this far. Why not have some free instances? And it's the same with S3. I dare you to find a company that doesn't have some data in Amazon S3. Right. But that's, that's exactly what my point was, that, you know, okay, it, it, by that definition, pretty much all our organization probably would be in, in some shape or form. So I would learn, Right? But that's, that's why I disagree, because I don't think that's true, being true multi-cloud, if you're just using one small little part of a particular environment or a service. I think that's why I was saying that, you know, the delineation between that that definition probably could be that you know if if the classic environment like the on-premises connects to those other public cloud environments and run your infrastructure services, you have a permanent presence there, and so that you can at will move your services to that public cloud. And I think that's where the definition is, um, and hence you know the, the the point that not all might be multi-cloud just yet. Well, I think you have to be. I think you have to be a little more binary with that answer, if for no other reason than if you don't think about it in a serious yes, no fashion, then you're not going to secure your resources seriously. You know, if you have one server running in AWS and 400 running in Azure, you're multi-cloud. And you need to, as an organization, protect that one server exactly as much as you do the other 400. Oh, protection comes, I mean, I'm not disagreeing that, you know, obviously if your workloads are running there, yes, you can consider yourself to be multi-cloud anyway, because that one server is going to need that infrastructure services to run as well, and most probably it will, yeah. unless you have a very strong connection back down to on-premises, which is, again, inefficient. So you'll probably need to put some infrastructure services then. Then it matches my definition, too. So we both win? Yes, it is. Yeah, of course we do. It's amazing. But I think the question was, is it inevitable? Will all organizations have to embrace multi-cloud? Because that's... The messaging that's coming from a lot of the vendors that we talk to is these multi-cloud tools that we're developing exist because you're going to be actively working in multiple clouds and you want a solution that's consistent across them. You actually want to abstract away what's different about these public clouds and consume them more as a commodity than as a differentiated service. That's the messaging we're getting, but the question is, is it inevitable? Can organizations avoid it if they choose to? And I think they can. You can still go with one cloud. You can still go with one vendor if you wanted to. You could be all VMware and run it in one of the <laughs> VMware clouds. And that actually leads to a stranger conversation of, if I'm using VMware on AWS and Azure, am I actually using Azure and AWS, or am I still just an all VMware shop? Yes. Y yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that means that you're actually running in VMware. Because if that's your predominant uh, way of managing your clouds, um, in not only just the control plane, but also the services, that infrastructure services, if they are also running within that VMware platform, 
then I would still consider it to be VMware and, not, and still a private cloud, even yep. though it might be placed in a public cloud environment. So let's yeah. put another, I'm going to put another wrinkle on that. And I'm also going to stop on top of you. I so, appreciate yeah. that. Any, anytime, sir. You're doing well. I'm, I do my best. So another wrinkle on top of that is, okay, consider that idea of VMware, and I'm running it on-prem and in these two public clouds, but it's a managed service. So I'm not responsible for a lot of components of it. Well, what a lot of these other solutions are pushing is the idea of abstracting away the public cloud so it becomes a commodity, and you're actually running on their platform that happens to run in these other public cloud platforms. So am I multi-cloud then? Because I'm still, as far as I'm concerned, consuming one product from one vendor, even though the underlying infrastructure is something else. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting question. And that actually comes up not even in just VMware environments, but when you're using regular cloud services in highly regulated environments. So for example, there are a lot of medical companies that work in the public cloud, but not through Azure directly or not through AWS or whomever. They go through like medcloud.com just to make up a name. So it doesn't even have to be a VMware conversation to get to that point. Right. But I still think you would say, if it's we're go, sticking with the binary definition, that yes, you would end up using multiple clouds. And the reason, the, the premise that we're talking about is whether or not that is inevitable. And I think there's two reasons that it does become inevitable. One is there is such a thing as product differentiation between the major clouds, right? AWS has a lot of features that are almost 100% identical to Azure, but they're different. For some companies, that's gonna matter. You know, a simple example, the way that Google handles networks, uh, uh, VLANs across their regions is a differentiator. It is dramatically different than what any of the other clouds do, except for Oracle, of course. Of course. Um, if you need that, and you still have a lot of your business, if you have Active Directory, if you have all the stuff in O365 that's you know, the data gravity keeps you in Azure, but you need that feature set from Google Cloud, multi-cloud becomes inevitable. And that's, that's exactly why I am an advocate of, you know, having all those different horses for courses is what I normally use the phrase, because uh, there, there are some performance and product design um, benefits to be had uh, if you are placed in the right cloud for that particular workload. Um, and, you know, gone are the days when one cloud was far superior than the other in terms of infrastructure, right? So, so they are pretty, pretty much on parity now. So it, it won't be infrastructure choice um, to, to place your workloads on that workload, uh, sorry, work, uh, the cloud. It'll be because of that functionality that you're after. Uh, it could be a performance gain or a product design gain. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I also like to see all vendors actually giving all these three public clouds for their products um, sort of equal status. You can't say that I'm going to do this for AWS. They might start with that, but they should be actually focusing as an ultimate strategy to make their service available on all the different clouds if they can. Sure. Well, I want to push back on the inevitability of it, though, because if I'm an enterprise that wants to just deal with one cloud, I acknowledge that there is a dramatic increase in administrative overhead for each public cloud that I add because their underlying constructs are different. I need either really, really like 10x engineers that understand all the clouds, or I'm going to have to hire different staff to support each of those public cloud endeavors. That's a lot of overhead. I can cut that all out by sticking with one cloud. And the thing that we've seen is as at least the big three and, you know, Oracle maybe. Have move, some respect. Have some respect. As those three have grown and matured, 
the amount of differentiation between their services has dropped. If AWS in, introduces a feature this year, Microsoft or, and Google are going to introduce the same feature the following year. So if I'm an organization that wants to keep that administrative level low and focus on a single public cloud, I can do that with the knowledge that I might not always have the bleeding edge of whatever is available, but give it six months, give it a year, I'm gonna have the exact same functionality in my cloud of choice, and I haven't overwhelmed my ops and dev folks with that. I mean, I, in general, yes, I would agree with that statement. Obviously, it is far easier to maintain one public cloud, ex develop expertise in that. However, again, you did the same fact that, you know, uh, the services are now available pretty much on parity level or eventually they'll come. Makes the products um, become multi-cloud as well. So, for example, we were already looking at one of the uh, examples in Tech Field Day when we had those sessions where a certain product is already working with all these three different public clouds and abstracting you know, the complexities of network, for example, away from the user. Mm -hmm. And if those kind of products start coming up, um, then it probably is not that much of an administrative burden to actually get skilled up on those different public clouds. And then you, your strategy becomes open and you're not fearful to you know, go to the public cloud that actually suits the workload better. Well, now we're kind of talking about vendor lock-in and trying to avoid vendor lock-in by using tools that are common across the public clouds. And for me, that whole conversation is more about having leverage against your current vendor by saying, you know, I can just leave if I want to. I don't have to stay here. Right, which is a perfectly reasonable argument. And one of the things that will happen as the three clouds, sorry, four clouds become feature parity is you're going to start arguing for one cloud versus another based on cost. And if you have an abstraction layer, especially around networking, which I would argue is the most important abstraction between the clouds, then you can literally say, AWS, it looks to me like my 10,000 you know, instances is gonna cost me a million dollars less if I go over there, what do you have to say about that? And it gives you that bargaining yeah, and leverage. The advent of the abstraction tools is going to make those conversations realistic. And a lot of them are focused on migrating right. you from one cloud to another, which again goes back to what I'm supporting is I can stay in one public cloud, but I can change which public cloud that is with these tools that are coming out. So they don't necessarily only enable multi-cloud, they enable single cloud that's portable. So I want to get back to some of the things that we talked about uh, earlier in the conversation. So. Earlier, Ned spoke about the idea of basically uh, cloud abstractions and, and higher level clouds. So for example, if you're using VMware on AWS or VMware on Azure, the fact that you're not actually using AWS or Azure, you're actually using VMware, and you're actually single cloud. Your cloud is VMware, not AWS or Azure. And it seems to me that that's actually a reasonable strategy for companies, but it is a, a different strategy, and it doesn't mean you're multi-cloud. And similarly, a lot of these products that we're seeing are giving us that sort of um, abstraction layer so that you can use the cloud without actually using the cloud. And that's what I meant when I talked about the hyper cloud earlier uh, in a different episode of this podcast. Essentially, the idea that it's a cloud made of clouds and that uh, that is itself just one cloud, not multiple clouds. And then there's a second idea, which is um, if you're incidentally using the cloud, in other words, I happen to have some data on S3 because that's what this application uses, or I'm using this SaaS application that runs in Azure, I don't think that's multi-cloud either. 
because you're not, it's not a strategy. You're not really using it. You're just using that tool that happens to use the cloud. I think where it becomes interesting is when we talk about these tools, which is what we were just getting at, which is that allow you to use multiple clouds, to truly use multiple clouds, and use the capabilities and the features and the functions of those clouds natively in a better way and to, and to enable workload mobility and stuff. To me, that's real multi-cloud. And it kind of puts a lie to a lot of these surveys, like the 73%. I just looked at another one here that said 92% um, of companies have a multi-cloud multi strategy. Well, I, I clicked through and looked at the, um, at the report, and it doesn't say anything of the sort. It says that 92% of companies are using more than one cloud. I don't think that, that doesn't smell like a strategy to me. No, so strategy implies intent. Right. And we had a plan, and now we're following that plan. And we all know what happens when you make plans. Um, I want to get back to a couple terms that you used. Using the cloud natively. That's an interesting distinction between how you might use the cloud otherwise. So for instance, if I'm running on Azure, and I know for a fact that Azure is using Arista switches and HP, let's say, hardware underneath, I'm not running on HP. I'm not running on Arista. I'm running on Azure. So we really have to take it from the perspective or context of the consumption layer. How am I consuming this thing? And if the way that I'm consuming it doesn't really interact with that underlying layer of what the hardware is or the virtualization platform, then I am not multi-cloud. I'm using this higher level platform or abstraction. And I think that's going to become more and more prevalent as companies move to a platform that they don't care about the underlying public cloud if they're moving to Kubernetes and they're moving to a managed Kubernetes situation, maybe you're running OpenShift across a bunch of different public clouds and on-prem. It's not quite VMware, but it's the same sort of situation where I'm not running multi-cloud, I'm running OpenShift. And that's the thing that my developers interact with, and that's the thing that my infrastructure and ops people have to deal with. Yeah, I think you're, there's a distinction there that needs to be made, though, in, and that is if you're running in AWS, you don't care about the underlying hardware. That's fine. But that's an SLA discussion, too, because you would never, ever have that responsibility. If you're running Kubernetes in AWS, guess what? You're still running AWS. You're still responsible for configuring EKS or ECS if it's you know, seven years ago. Um, there's a difference between those two contracts. And that was what I was trying to differentiate when I was talking about the MedCloud thing. Mm -hmm. because they have the underlying responsibility of whatever is underneath. Just like when you sign your AWS contract, they have the responsibility for the, whatever, Hitachi SANS that are supporting that hardware underneath. So when you have that level of responsibility separation or segregation, then I think your argument holds water. Right so now... Saying, so what I heard is I'm right. Only, well, if, if the concept was completely reversed, then yes, you're completely right. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to say that, you know, it's, it's again, um, I, I don't think that making a clear distinction is, is even relevant anymore. I think, is it multi-cloud or not? Because again, if you're using the services of the, the cloud environment you happen to be in, it fits your needs, then it's just like a platform, right? Um, so, so VMware is one example of it. Um, so if you are running your VMware environment in any of those clouds, it's just like a commodity hardware build that we used to have that because it just happens to be the platform where your services are running. Your services are actually the things that you care about. Now, whichever one fits best, you do that. And I, like I said, the, with time, that's becoming easier with the tools becoming available, parity being achieved, 
it's probably not no longer a concern that you have to develop expertise in that one cloud because it's hard enough to do. Because the, the kind of expertise now you need for those, a lot of those being abstracted, makes it easier to move between the clouds should the need arises. So vendor lock-in is probably not as big an issue anymore as, as it used to be. I think we also have to consider the leaky abstraction problem. So we've been talking about, hey, you can abstract away these public clouds and it's no problem. Uh, but for the most part, that's not true when it comes to some of the, the earlier versions of the platform. So you, you alluded to the fact that if you spin up AKS, EKS, and GKE, you're still responsible for the underlying instances like your worker nodes and configuring the networking properly. Right. If I'm using VMware on any of the different clouds, I still have to set up a VPC. I still have to set up a VNet. It's not 100% managed for me. That abstraction is leaky, and I need to be cognizant of that. So I think that actually argues in favor of staying single cloud until those, the platforms are significantly enough advanced that that abstraction is no longer as leaky. And once again, I'm saving on the administrative overhead for my ops and dev team. So if we assume that this survey is right and that 92% of enterprise have a multi-cloud strategy, maybe they don't. Maybe they just think they do. Right. But the idea, it kind of doesn't matter what they think, whether, they, whether it's true or not. It matters what they think. And if enterprises feel that they need a multi-cloud strategy or that they should have a multi-cloud, or they should tell the survey guy that they have a multi-cloud strategy, then clearly they think that there's value in this. So I guess let's just wrap this thing up. What is the value of a multi-cloud strategy? And when should someone have a multi-cloud strategy? I think one thing I did want to touch on in terms of strategy versus multi-cloud reality is a difference that needs to be made. And this ties back to every aspect of IT ever since computers were invented. The idea of shadow IT, right? When people are under stress, they fall back to their level of training and expertise or whatever's fastest and easiest. And that's how you end up with a company that has 17 different file sharing uh, products running under their, own, under their own roof. The same thing's gonna happen in the cloud. Somebody that's used to AWS who comes into an Azure shop under stress who needs to develop something quickly is gonna start with what they're used to. And that's one of the other reasons I think that inevitable is the word that we can use. Doesn't matter to your point. It doesn't matter what they strategized or what they think is happening. This is the sort of thing that is going to happen. Yeah, and, and I think going back to the point that yes, multi-cloud as a strategy, I believe that 92% or whichever percentage it might be, companies will have that as a strategy uh, because that's basically avoiding risk. So as a, as a strategy, they will have that. Reality probably is a bit lower than that. Um, and yes, organically, you have it in your strategy or not, it will happen. Your workloads will go into the different class based on what you find fits well with your workloads. The one thing that I, as a strategy, a company should definitely have, they should not be a, afraid of going to the different clouds. They should have a strategy to what if they end up on those clouds, well, how are they going to develop their expertise to deal with it and what abstractions they need to build, if any, to be present on those uh, platforms and not be afraid to move to other ones should the need arises. I will agree that there is a high level of pressure coming from the community and from analysts and vendors that you have to have a multi-cloud strategy. And there's nothing wrong with having a strategy, even if you never implement it. At least it gives you some kind of leverage against the one cloud that you're currently using. But I think 
that an organization, if it is sufficiently regulated, so it has to be in a very specific cloud, or they're just disciplined enough to stay on a single cloud for their projects, multi-cloud is not inevitable for them, and they can stay on that single cloud and migrate if needed, but still continue that one cloud strategy. Yeah, to me, it seems that the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, it's, it's, that's how it is in IT, right? We just keep fighting the same fights again. And we could have had this exact conversation about multi-vendor versus single-vendor data center strategy you know, 15, 20 years ago, or probably 40 years ago, or 60 years ago. I mean, you know, there have been this same idea, you know, do I want to be reliant on one, or do I want to have, you know, the ability to leave, or do I want to preemptively use multiple ones? Cloud does make it objectively easier to switch because it's OpEx and not CapEx, but I think at the same time, there is a lot of uh, investment needed in order to start using a cloud correctly to have it be truly part of your enterprise infrastructure and not just something you're using incidentally. And I think that uh, overall, in my opinion, a lot, we're going to hear a lot of people saying that they have a multi-cloud strategy and we're going to see a lot of people not using more than one cloud. So uh, let's wrap it up here. Thank you so much for this discussion. I think that most of the folks listening might want to continue it. Where can they connect with you and find you and continue the conversation, Ned? Uh, sure, if you want to find me, the easiest place is Twitter. It's Ned1313. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can message me there or find me on my website, nedinthecloud.com. And I'm going to plug the podcast that Chris and I are on. It's called Chaos Lever, and you can find that at chaoslever.com. It saves me one plug. I'm at Hainer80 on Twitter. Uh, Hainer.net is my blog, and I don't know what I am off the top of my head on LinkedIn, but I'm on there somewhere. And uh, yes, the easiest way for me as well uh, is Uther Big. It's my Twitter handle, LinkedIn as well. Just look it up. My name is very unique. Um, so you'll find me. Um, my blog is AutherBig.com. I also uh, am on a podcast called Open Techcast. I'm a co-host. And as for me, I'm Stephen Foskett. You can find me at sfoskett on Twitter and uh, most social media networks, and as uh, well on the Gestalt IT and Tech Field Day properties. So thanks for joining us for the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do uh, subscribe. It's available on most major podcast platforms. And while you're there, uh, maybe give us a rating or a review. Uh, you can also find this podcast on uh, uh, YouTube, since we publish video as well as audio. So if you'd like to uh, consume it over there on YouTube, just go to YouTube slash Gestalt IT video. This podcast is brought to you by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to GestaltIT.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>